You're listening to Random Fit with hosts Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, winner of a Gold Markham Award for Digital Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Random Fit. I am Wendy Batts here with Ken Miller. Ken, how are you today? Doing awesome, Wendy. You're yeah. looking good. Oh, why, thanks. I try. You know, I showered for you today, so. <laughs> Step viewer. one, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, this week, we're actually going to be talking about an assessment that I do very often with my clients, and we were reading about it actually in the news the other day. And uh, Ken and I were talking about, you know, doing this assessment that we're going to talk about. And I got a perfect 10. Just want to go ahead and say that from the very start. And my little co-host over here did not. And neither did my husband. So, ha, ha. All right. That's what, that's what being, that's one of the advantages of being so close to the ground. Okay. You're not a giant, my friend, by the way. I I know. I know. I got these short, stubby legs too. So I have zero excuse. So the assessment that we're talking about is an assessment that multiple people do, especially as we get older. Um, And there are many ways of doing this, but it's actually called a sit to stand test. And, um, you know, when you're doing some of the research, what they have found is when you're doing this, it shows a significant uh, prediction of the mortality risk that you have, especially when we're dealing with the elderly population. And so with my clients, one of the first things I have them do is stand up. Then I have them sit on the ground, hopefully without using their hands, and then ask them to stand back up. And it is amazing how many people from the start cannot do that, which is an important activity of daily living. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we talk about this, uh, there are variations of it. I know we're going to go over a few of them, but the going from being upright and getting to the floor and then standing upright again. I mean, this was a challenge as Wendy and I will discuss. Uh, it was not easy, uh, but I think it's just something that we with practice can do. But I, I think Wendy, the, the bigger point, the whole sit and stand, like when you talk about um, it, your ability to get onto the ground and then back up again, being a reflection or a, as it relates to what the research showed when it comes to all causes mortality, it's not just the sitting and the standing. Otherwise, all we would do all day is just sit and stand, sit and stand, sit and stand. And that's, you know, then you live forever. It, it is about your abilities, the abilities that you need to get down under control and stand up. So the reflection of having flexibility, having the strength, having the balance um, to do both the ascension and the descension of, of this assessment is really what we're looking at. And I think what we need to walk away from this whole conversation is, okay, well, once we do this evaluation, what do we need to do in our daily lives to not just improve our ability to sit and stand, but also how this reflects in our everyday activities and what we need to do to be more vital and more interactive with our, with our daily activities. Well, and, and I think it's important to preface it all this too with, you know, this this assessment or this type of testing doesn't take in consideration any kind of musculoskeletal injuries that you may have. If you know that you had a structural issue at birth that maybe you, you know, lacks range of motion and, and something that will never change and you've always had to work around 
um, you know, basically if you didn't sleep well, if you're waking up with some aches and pains, maybe that's not the day that you're going to do this test to see if you pass or fail or get a number. And so keep, you know, we're just trying to think if an, a healthy individual comes in and wants to work with you, or if you're a fitness enthusiast and you just kind of want to see where you, where you rank, it's actually super fun to do. We did it as a family in my house. And of course I went first. We know that females tend to have more flexibility, but men tend to be sometimes stronger. I say sometimes because obviously that depends, but as we age, we start losing that. We start losing our strength and we start losing some of our extensibility that we had if we don't work on it on a constant basis. And so, you know, you're supposed to take off your shoes, be in comfortable clothes and, you know, not be on a slick surface. And when you're doing the the typical sit to, to rise test and you're working with somebody that you know can can um, that is that it's safe. Obviously, you always want to put them in the most safe environment. Then what you have someone do is they stand in place and then they go down and cross their legs and sit on the floor. Now, again, when you're doing that, can you're going to end up crossing your legs and you end up in a crisscross applesauce type type seated position. And then can you stand back up from that specific um, position? And the first time I did it, I didn't have any problems. Second time, I didn't have any problems. I tried it again, seeing am I using momentum? I tried it fast. I tried it slow. There's no, no tempo that you have to put with it. But there are points that get deducted if you plop down to the ground. If you use your hands, you use your forearms, you, you have to, you know, you can't get up or, you know, if you're very unstable. And I know we're going to go into more of that. But but I successfully did it. My husband did not do well the first time. He tried it again. Then he saw other people doing it on video. And he's like, I'm going to get this. And by the third, of, you know, the, the first attempt, he had like a nine. Then the second was an eight. And then he dropped back down to a nine. And then he finally got it because he realized that, you know, if he used his arms a little more, he could he could get a perfect 10. Right. And Wendy, you were there. You were there when I first did it. And. I, you know, I, I just could not do this. It was, it was like, I could get down and even then the last four, three, four inches, that's, I, I had that little plop, right? <laughs> when I, I, I can hit, I heard, you know, the, the ground was my stopper really. And then when it came to getting, I just couldn't do it. But when I first tried it, I was not using my arms. I was not leaning. I was really trying to just use my lower body. Um, and trying to just press down with my feet and then just trying to use my hips the best I can. And I couldn't do it. So, Wendy, you laughed pretty hard when I said I can't get up. I just, you know, just like that commercial, I have fallen and I can't get up. But uh, with a little perseverance and a couple more attempts, getting that little lean, a little bit of momentum, get that that trunk lean forward. And then just really powering through the hips and using basically all my my trunk. Uh, in getting up, I eventually got up with success. So I guess, what did we evaluate? My just based on my description, what was that? Eight? Well, I think the first one we calculated well, you at zero. a three point five, yeah. and all yeah. Ken kept saying is, "I'm going to die. This is not good. I'm going to die." <laughs> and I'm like, okay, based on research, it does say you have an increased mortality risk if you are below an eight. And, you know, and so when you're looking at this, if you, you know, there was the, a 2012 study that was found 
that it's a predictor of mortality in patients between 51 and 80, which can, I mean, you know, you're, you're almost there. And the study found that the lower the score, you were seven times more likely to die in the next six years, y'all, six years. Now, again, that's the age range. However, most of the people that failed were at a higher, like higher age of predictions. So they were closer to the 81 um, years of age in comparison to the 51, because obviously that is a pretty, um, pretty significant amount of years in between that. So, so just, you know, it, it, it's something that you can learn about yourself. Can you, or can you not do this? And as soon as he said that we were looking at the research, he's like, I'm going to try it again. He found ways to cheat and y'all, he got a nine, I think. Right. <laughs> well, I'd say eight and a half. <laughs> Uh, the the getting up without well was it uncoordinated or however it's phrased. unsteady unsteady I was a little unsteady you know a couple you know little micro micro steps in there but it was yeah it was a lot better than a three and a half I'll say that it was and if you want to try this on your own I mean the way that you do it is you give yourself five points if you can go down without cheating you have control you're not plopping down at the bottom. And then you give yourself five points if you can stand from that position back up to an upright position without falling. So again, the way that you'll do this is each each support that you give yourself, if you have to use your hands, if, like I said, forearms, knees, side leg, um, any of that, you remove one point. If you lose your balance or you're very unsteady, then you take off a half a point. And you only have to do this once. Um, you know, Again, if you don't feel comfortable the first time you do it, you want to do it a couple of times, that's fine. The more your body understands that movement pattern, which is why we exercise and why we really focus on activities of daily living, our brain and our body learns that coordination pattern that we're trying to achieve. And we're more we're going to be better each and every time we do it. And so that's something that I'm going to task all of you listeners with is I want you to try the stand, sit to stand and see how you do. Use that scoring system out of 10 and then think about what it is that you can do to make this an easier thing for you to try and do more often, because this is something you were going to have to do forever. And unfortunately, as we age, more people don't want to do things on the ground because they're scared that they cannot get back up. So this is something that should be implemented into your workout routine or into your daily life, because it is something that you really want to make sure that you're focusing on. And it's also going to help decrease the chances of you falling and breaking a hip as you age. Yeah, and in the book, um, in the book uh, "Built to Move" by Kelly and Juliet Starrett, they talk about the sit and stand, right? And you know, on one of their social media posts, they go to their knock on their neighbors' doors and say, "All right, sit and stand, police, or sit and stand, uh, you know, uh, administration, you know, coming in to check your sit and stand." So they just knock on their doors, and their neighbors are sitting and standing. Of course, I think. Well, I think they, they work out with them as well. But, you know, you, you see there's different ways of doing this, different techniques and styles. Everybody's got their own hitch and glitch when it comes to, you know, what their ankles can do, their, what their, what their hips can do and all of that. But like what Wendy said, I, I highly encourage you to do this. I mean, one of the things that we do um, with well, what I do with my clients is, is a ground to stand, right? And that's getting, onto the floor, let's say prone on your stomach, using your hands to, to roll over and then stand up and you can get up however you want is, you know, as, as the session goes, you know, sometimes they can lunge and get up. Sometimes they can, um, 
you know, use, you know, they can do like a, a, a kick sit get up. Basically, they, they turn, put two hands on the ground, rotate their hips until they get both feet under them, and then they stand up. But I encourage that, especially with my my older um, my older virtual training group, um, just because as we go, as, as you said, Wendy, um, the abilities to get down and get up start to go away as you lose mobility, as you lose strength, as you lose power. But one of the things that I like to encourage with all my people is find some way to get from be able to have a great relationship with the ground so that you can get onto the floor and then get up off the floor. And this assessment, this, this sit to stand is, is, a, is one assessment that you can use um, just to look at and evaluate the quality of movement. And, and, and as it says, or as we've explained already, is that there is a point system. So qualitatively and quantitatively, you can look at and evaluate someone's ability to get down to the floor and stand up. But any type of, I think any type of ground to stand, anything where you're lowering yourself, standing up, whatever techniques you might use, um, if you're if you're a personal trainer or if you're just an avid exerciser who listens to Random Fit, um, then, you know, just doing that, like, you know, say something like a burpee, right, um, is, is an example of something that you might already do when it comes to to standing and sitting. And, and once you've done this evaluation, as we've described it, then you can start to look at, okay, am I doing enough? Am I doing it frequently enough? Should this be something I incorporate in some way, shape or form into every one of my workouts? That's up to you. But well, all we're really trying to do here is evaluate, do you have the requisite flexibility, strength, stability, power to get down and up? Because as you said, Wendy, you know, there is you know, there is some correlation with your ability to stand and, you know, what that means for your longevity. Yep. And today on Random Fit, Wendy Batts and Ken Miller here talking to you about the sit and stand assessment test. Again, this was an assessment that was um, developed in the 1990s by Brazilian researchers just trying to see on a scale from one to 10, if we had you from a rising standing position, can you get to the floor and stand back up? And if not, they give you different um, things to look at, and then you deduct points, and then you see where you fall. Again, if you're scoring in the lower ranges, so anywhere from zero to three, they found that you were five to six times more likely to die within this study period that we talked about, um, which was about a, a six-year period. And those within the fit, fittest group that scored the highest or whatever had better mobility, longevity, and they were able to be more free in their life and not have to worry as much of activities of daily living or chances of falling. So again, it's not just something that we're like, hey, let's just try this. This is fun. There's actually research behind, you know, why we do this and why we can bring it on the forefront because it's, like I said, it's fun. It gives giggles and it, it's, it's very eye-opening for yourself as well as for trainers to see where are you on a, on a mobility, flexibility, like you said, strength standpoint. Now, as we started digging diver, or diving deeper into the research, Ken and I both found that, you know, there are a lot of elderly clients you don't necessarily want to get onto the floor because you don't know if you can get up. Obviously, you have to think about some of your obese clients that may um, struggle to get off the floor just because, again, mobility and strength. And so there's other types of tests that are good indicators of this as well. And Ken, you and I were looking at what they do a lot of times in physical therapy, what they do a lot of times um, with the elderly population, instead of actually putting someone to the floor, they actually have um, these clients 
you sit in a chair. So basically there's a chair behind them. And for 30 seconds, they have the, the client or the patient stand and then sit onto the chair and stand back up. And the evaluator is timing for 30 seconds. They're counting how many times this person can do this successfully without losing their balance, without having to hold on. Again, you want to make it a safe environment. So you want the tools there that no one's going to, going to fall. But then at that point, too, it lets you monitor their performance. You can see their form. And the way that you get points deducted, phase one, the forward transfer of trunk, can they do that? Phase two was the hip lifting off the chair and, and achieving maximal hip um, flexion and extension when they're, they're sitting and standing. Can they transfer the knee extension, meaning are their knees moving as optimally as possible? Can their feet stay flat on the ground? Do they have good ankle dorsiflexion? And then are they stable? And there's points deducted as well for each one of those things that did not occur within that movement pattern. And I find it to be very important because, again, this is something we do every day, getting on and off the toilet, getting in and out of your car, being able to, to sit on a step and talk with a neighbor and then stand up and go back inside, sitting outside, enjoying some, you know, a cup of hot coffee in the morning on, you know, can you get out of a chair on your balcony and then go back inside all without feeling unstable or feeling like you are going to fall. Right. And, and there are, I mean, that's, and that was a really great assessment used um, in various shapes and forms. Like we had clients that if they had some kind of um, aid to walking or to standing, they might use their cane or have their walker in front of them and they'll, they'll use that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but there's been, there's been plenty of times where somebody has used that aid on the initial assessment, but because they've been doing their treatment or therapy or their exercise program for a certain amount of time. They've built up hip strength. They've built up their balance and their hip stability or their overall body's ability to stabilize and control that upright position to where the initial assessment for the 30 seconds might've been with uh, an aid, right? So they had their walker or a cane or whatever they used to help them walk. Um, but then upon reassessment, they had seen such improvement that they're able to stand without that assistance and stand up on their own. So not that they're doing more reps necessarily, but the fact that initially for 30 seconds, they needed help to begin with, but because of their protocol, you know, to increase movement, quality, strength, balance, stability, uh, they were able to have enough to where they could sit and stand uh, into the chair upright without any assistance at all even though their repetitions may be less the fact that they didn't have help to begin with um, did help them out so however you want to vary um, the the assessment process if you do work with somebody who's in maybe that post rehabilitative or just deconditioned right they're they're you know if you find rationale for the use and application of this assessment by all means use it like like I mentioned in more than a few of our recordings here, I have this older group of gentlemen that who are very much active now be just because they're the average age is in their seventies for the group. Um, they're not necessarily qualified because they sit and stand with very well, um, from a seated position. Um, but you know, for somebody that's not in that kind of shape, someone that has not worked out or this is new to them, then, having that initial assessment and then compare it with the reassessment can be very, actually very encouraging 
as you know, to, to kind of reflect on the progress that they've made, but also encourage them to, if you know, if you saw this much improvement within these amount of days, think of how much more you can get if you just continue this, you know, for the rest of your life. Well, and you guys have heard me talk about my, my dad. I mean, my dad is going to be 83 this year and this man played golf every single day to the point where sometimes he would choose golf over some of our activities um, as a family, just because that was the thing that he loved to do. And, um, you know, unfortunately because of um, some family issues or whatever, he was unable to play golf for six months and it was like, he was a completely different person. And now watching him with his balance, he's very unstable. Um, you know, and there's a lot of things that I've noticed and it was a like turn of a dime guys. Like this man was so active, walked the golf courses, carried his bag, you know, drove the golf cart in and out, like on standing on weird angles to hit the ball and doing very, very well for his age. Uh, now seeing this transition of something that happened so quickly it's one of those things where when we started talking about this, you know, one of the, the reasons why I think that it's important, especially if you are someone that is my age and has some elderly parents or you work with seniors, I've noticed too, over the time I would, you know, call my, my father and it would take him a long time to get to the phone or he, you know, I'd miss his call and I would think he's out and about and it was him trying to get up off of the chair in order to go answer the phone. And so, and yes, he has a mobile phone y'all, but it was never close to him. So we ended up having to invest in one of those recliners that actually lifts him up in order for him to get up faster in order to do other things. And I know that that is something that it's it's a safe, safe chair for him to get to a standing position, get his balance and then walk. That is something that no child ever wants to have to deal with or actually see. So now what he has to do on that chair is leave it down and he has to do squats every single day, holding on, making sure that his walker is out in front of him to try to build the strength back up, which was something, again, he lost within six months. And so it's one of those where you want to really think, you know, what is going to be things that you're going to have to consider for yourself as you age, also as you're around people that are going to continue to age and things you don't want to see. So starting doing some of these sit to stands, getting some ideas of where they are now, and then working on these particular movement patterns, flexibility, mobility, and really continuing the strength in the quads and glutes as well as throughout the core is only going to help people's quality of life. And then also, again, I always say chances of falls, because if you can't stand very easily, you're very unstable and going from one position to that can throw someone forward. And that's how the falls easily happen. And it can lead to something really tragic. Right. Dun, dun, um, dun. There's yeah, the morbid we, side yeah. of me. <laughs> yeah. and, I, you know, and, I, and I like what you're talking about here, Wendy, with, with some of the, the strategies. So if you're if you're doing this, one of the things I suggest and, um, you know, I've, I've done with my clients is record yourself, record yourself getting onto the floor if you're doing that or or if you're if you're just doing the, the seated chair version, record yourself doing that. And one of the things that I've done when it when it comes to watching a client sit down and stand up is I'll record it and then I'll show them. OK, I'll show them, OK, this is what you're doing. You're you have to, you know, like with some clients, they have the when they lean forward, they lean way forward just to get their mom, more so to create momentum so they can get their 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 center of gravity over their feet. And then they stand up from there and then they wonder, why does my back hurt every so often? It's like, well, you're you're not really using your hips. You're not really using your legs. You're you're bending over quite a bit when you get out of that chair. So when you lean over that much, well, what muscles have to fire up to get you into that upright position? 
your low back is going to have to kick in a little bit more than it would if you had more hip strength. Um, but once you record and once you can see the quality of movement or where they have the tendency to compensate or, or kind of use other areas of their body to help assist the weak side, you know, this is where you look at it and then you can say, okay, well, because you lean forward a little bit more, let's work on some hip strength. Okay, let's work on it. Maybe it could be through their ankles, even though you're sitting down, maybe their ankles don't flex enough, their knee can't come forward enough. So they have to get that really, that really forward leaning position to get their hips involved. So maybe it does mean, okay, we need to look at the ankles, we need to look at, okay, do we need to, to foam roll stretch the ankles, you know, the calf complex? Do we need to look at the hips as far as hip strength? Well, what about core work, right? Giving some structural integrity to the to the midsection. So from there, I highly encourage that you, you look at the quality of the movement. Where are these compensations coming from? Then you can kind of stitch together a strategy, a workout program, if you will, when it comes to, okay, is it the foot and ankle? Is it the hip? Is it the core, right? And and then from there, you can just from one, you know, one variation of a, of a, of a total body assessment, then you can figure out, okay, well, this is what I need to do to move better. So Wendy, I'm going to ask you then, well, what exercise for those that want the, the exercises, right? Give me, give bottom line me. All right. What are some things that generally most people can benefit from when it comes to having a better standup? I think age is, is, a, is a, a huge like key component into one of the exercises I would quote prescribe. So if it's an elderly client, I would have them in a seated position. Again, I would really work on trying to get um, some some mobility. So like you said, the calf stretches, they could do that standing. And then even in a seated position, having them go through the alphabet with their ankles. Have you ever heard of that? Like we do that in rehab when somebody would have mm -hmm. some ankle issue. They go through all capital letters, you know, with their ankles making the, the letters. Um, and then they go in all lowercase. And so, you know, it actually challenges the mind of some of the elderly clients to think about the alphabet and then also just go through those motions. Um, I think that's something that we do. Like I said, you know, just practicing sitting to standing using whether it's a walker or, you know, if they have to hold on to something or they're, you know, close. Um, I like to have people do pushups against the wall. Um, again, it's working on on chest strength, but like you said, core without having to get on the ground if it's something that's not easy for those individuals. And then, of course, really just learning to get into the rows or retracted positions, whether they're just doing cobras um, with no weight, whether they have like a, just a mini band or some small band so they don't have to go into a gym. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, but these are going to be things that are going to be very beneficial um, in order to help maintain proper alignment and good integrity throughout all of the um, all the main joints that we need in order to, to to have good posture. Now, if somebody is more mobile, there's someone like you and I, where Ken, I see that in the very beginning, you have a 3.5. That's unheard of. And so I would look at your movement patterns and I would say, OK, you know what? We're really going to go into lateral two blocks, really focus on strengthening the outer hip, which I would also do with my elderly clients, just standing, moving their 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 leg out to the side. With, with someone like Ken, I would give them a band and really look at side to side walking and then forward and back walking with proper alignment and posture. I would put you on a floor or a stability ball and go through hip bridges, really trying to activate the glutes and lay off of the hamstrings. Um, I may have you do some kind of lunge or squat or something that allows me to make sure you've got 
good tracking of the knee over the second and third toe, and then also coming up into a balanced position. Cause a lot of that is really just working through the ankle, working through the hip and making sure the knee is tracking correctly. And then really just doing a lot more core stuff. So, you know, whether it's something like a pal off press, things like, you know, planks, side planks, any of those I think are always going to be good. And then integrating total body exercises, putting it all together. So a squat to row, you know, a step up to balance, to curl, to press. There are so many different variations. It just really depends on what is the safest exercise for that client. What can they do without compensating and how can they maintain proper alignment throughout every movement that you give them? It's like, it's like you've discussed these treatment strategies before Wendy. Just, uh, just a few times, uh, just recently to my dad, like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have and, a reputation to uphold, mister. You've got to be able to stand up. <laughs> no, that's right. And I think that the tube walking is great, you know, because, and I, and I love the lateral, the lateral band walks or lateral mm -hmm. tube walks just because they do so much. First of all, you're upright, you're moving, you're resisting, you know, the, the, out, depending on where you put the band, whether it's at the ankles or above the knees, um, you know, you're going to challenge those, those hips, especially in the, in that lateral or that frontal plane, the, the plane where you're going left to right, which where we tend to have, uh, you know, a little bit of weakness, right? A lot, a lot of times what we do in real life is in life is in front of us, but moving left to right, we, we kind of have, you know, we kind of have that as a blind spot because we don't, we don't walk like crabs and, and go left to right all day long. So if we don't do it, we lose it, right? If we, if we, if we don't encourage that movement pattern, we lose it, but there's a whole lot of benefit to having a strong lateral side. Uh, as you said, Wendy, you know, you mentioned that the side planks on top of, on top of doing those lateral um, band walks. So, um, you know, and those, those are, those are, those are key exercises that will, and even though we're talking about standing up and you're going to stand up, in more of that sagittal or that forward motion, but having strength on that on that lateral component will add benefit and strength stability towards that forward and backward component as well. And I think, you know, having that multi-dimensional approach to how we move is, is key to helping people get up and up and down, especially if we're talking about to the floor, um, to that upright position because everything is moving, especially once we have to rotate our hips open. And I really felt that in, in my, I could feel my groin muscles just really like, what are you doing, man? You never do this. What is going on over here? That's, that's my groin, like looking up at me going, dude, what's going on? I know. And it's so easy for me, but again, because it's something that, but I, I'm always getting up and down off the floor because I'm playing with my little man. It's like, oh, I've got to do that. Oh, I've got to go and turn on the oven. Oh, I've got to do this. Oh, I've got to get on for a podcast. Oh, I've got, you know, I'm always on the floor with him doing something. Right. So it's an activity that I truly use every single day. So I think maybe uh, because I do it very often, maybe that's why, but you practice, you practice. I didn't mean to. And so there you have right. it. But but Ken, I, I, you know, I'm really glad we brought this to the forefront because I think it's easy. You know, it was eye-opening for me. It was very eye-opening for you. I thought it was really fun to have my family do. My, I mean, my seven-year-old can do it like it's nothing because he's like, what's the big deal? But watching my husband do it just gave us a big laugh. I thought it was actually pretty amusing. And then listening and seeing what you were doing was just a whole nother, whole wow. nother moment for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I can add a couple giggles to your day. Um, but you know, not, nothing brings the family together than acknowledging someone's weakness. Exactly. Uh, 
especially if you're in a very competitive family, which again, you're like family to me again. So <laughs> oh, all right. no, I'll, I'll take that. Um, so when, Hey, thanks. So uh, for your insight on, on sit and stand and what that means and what it could mean to, you know, to understand someone's ability to move and what that might mean for what we need to incorporate uh, into our workout program. So um, I'm always happy to learn something from these recordings, Wendy. So thank you very much. And for those of you that are listening to both Wendy Bats and I, Ken Miller here on Random Fit, thank you so much for your time. And hopefully you gained as much from this podcast recording as I did. So if you like what you listen to, like, follow, subscribe, download, share, and more importantly, we ask this every every recording is comment. Let us know what you want to hear us discuss, and we'll do the best we can to get that on Random Fit for you. So until next time, take care and be well.